I've got a very high-tech solution to our intro this week. Okay, then go ahead. Vos audia podcast de moribus spuris. Podcast on the very cutting edge of technology. I, I love the fact that podcast in Latin is podcast. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I'm actually disappointed that there's not a word. Um, I, 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 I hope that somewhere out there... Um, there's some Latin scholar who's still inventing new words. I'm, I'm disappointed that it hasn't happened. I mean, they're probably listening to this kind of shaking the fist at the speaker, like, no! Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Conoro, and today I'm joined by Jontius. Hello. Hello. I, I was trying to think of something witty to say there. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't think of anything in time. Salve. <laughs> That's it. They said about a hundred times in this, so, so salve, salvete. Salvete. There we go. Um, and in case it's not obvious enough, we're here today to talk about Cicero, which is quite possibly my my favourite of the Big Finish originals. Is is that something you'd agree with? Um, I think so, yes. I, I really, really, really do enjoy Cicero. I've listened to it a few times now, and every single time there's been something else to enjoy or or uh, something else to find that maybe you didn't spot before. Um, yeah, I really like it. I think it is fair to say that it's probably the best Big Finish original, apart from, you know, maybe Dorian Gray, maybe. That's true. I always forget that that you know that could you know should be counted under the originals range. Um, um, but I think I think I'd definitely say uh, Cicero is mine. Um, because I think out of all the ones that they did when they did their original slate, this is possibly the one that has the most legs as a series, or the, you know the most potential to run. Yeah. Um, because Cicero had a had a a very packed life. And it's it's something I'll come back to later on. When you're listening to this, this is only one chapter of his life. I always come away, you know, from this uh, wanting more. Um. So yes, I really really like it. Um. So we can go through then, sort of, uh, episode by episode. I think. Um. We'll do the main series. We'll cover the crossroads, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about Doctor Who Tartarus as well. Um, because it's it's almost a sort of crossover between the two uh, ranges. Um, but let's start with the very, very first episode, um, which is the only one with a title um, in the main series, which is Those Scoundrels Are Discovered. What do you think of episode one? Um, it's, it's a really, really good pilot episode for a sort of Roman case of the week series. Um, which Cicero absolutely isn't. Um, so I, I really like the fact that it starts this way. It kind of, it's this really serviceable pilot episode that's a little bit procedural and a little bit, you know, it, it does a good job of setting up um, Rome as a setting and that kind of thing. Um, it's a bit straightforward. It, it sort of, it ends the way you expect, which is Cicero kind of pulling something out of nowhere to to um, prove Sextus Roscius's innocence. Um, but yeah, it, it it's good. It's a really strong start. It's you're automatically introduced to the two leads. They're automatically very likable. They're very very well uh, played. I think Samuel Barnett could be cast as absolutely anything and would make it amazing. But this is 
this is definitely a role he was born to play. Absolutely, he's fantastic. Um, and I, 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 uh, I think my favourite part about this episode is listening to him, um, defend Ross Case at the very end because it's it's he, he's very sort of enthralling, and I, I, I could genuinely listen to him speak for hours. Um, he, he, he gives a really great performance there. I would love to know. I haven't actually looked myself, but I would love to know if what he's reading has been rewritten in any way, or if it is actually the original. I, I would love to know if, if Cicero's original um, defence speech exists because an awful lot of what we know about ancient Roman life actually comes from Cicero's letters. Um, they, they, they survived and, and were used to build up a picture of, of, of Roman or, or ancient Roman life. Um, so I'd love to know if this was built out of any of that or, or if this is a, um, a mostly original um, piece of writing. But I, I really, really like that sequence. Um, it is, as you say, it's a bit more case of the week than the rest of the series. It was, it, it was released about a year before everything else. It was, it was, it was done as a, as a true pilot. Um, I think, um, and I don't, you, you can tell when you listen to it because none of the rest of the series is like this. Um, but it's a very, very strong opener. I like that there's a. Um, I, I like that we begin with the case that made Cicero's name. Um, in ancient Roman, sort of, sort of put him on the map for the first time, um, and I like that it's one we get is is it's it's not open and shut, but it's it it's it's almost very mechanical, and then it goes through. He finds the evidence, he makes the defense, and he wins, um, the case. So so I like that we're beginning with that, and then the other episodes sort of give a little bit of a twist on the format. You know, none of the rest are like this, as I say. Um, but yes, very, very strong opener. Episode two, then. Uh, what do we think of the second episode? Um, so this is where I'm going to struggle because I basically binged the series in one go the other day. Uh, so I'm having to remember what's what. Second episode was, in some ways, it was another pilot, I think. Um, we've kind of established Cicero and what he does. We've established... Um, that you know he works with his brother and they've they've gained some level of success with the Roskius case and now he's kind of at a point where he's getting a lot of work coming his way. The financial troubles that were mentioned in the first episode have all but disappeared. Um, the second episode focuses more on setting up um, kind of a story thread that runs through most of the series. Um, really, I suppose the main bit of the series are episodes two two five um that sort of four episode run where they're kind of focused on one case other things happen um but this one sort of works very hard to set up uh is it claudius as the bad guy uh, it is claudius decimus yes uh so it sets him up as the bad guy sort of establishes him and it's kind of really the only time where an episode ends and cicero has lost um Claudius does get one up on him in this episode, which he doesn't really again after this. So yeah, um, there there is a moment later in the series where he does sort of win, or or he has the makings of a bit of a victory over over the Ciceros. Um, but this this one is it's 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 as you say it's it it ends with him, um, not succeeding. Um, and 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 he doesn't even get to make the case, does he? He's, he's sort of he's he doesn't even get to defend, um, uh, uh Claudius's wife. Uh, no, um, she's just carted out of Rome, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 sort of done that he. I, I like the story a lot. It's sort of done that he is trying to do things by the book, and um, Claudius wins by by using more underhanded methods um, and it sort of starts to labour the corruption that does exist in Rome um, or it, it doesn't start to the first episode did that as well but it continues that and and it, it shows that Cicero has maybe slightly underestimated um, uh, what what he's he, he, he learns the hard way about the links that you know the people who are behind the injustice he's he set him up against uh, he set himself up against. He learns the hard way about how far those people and those sort of people are willing to go. Um, 
And I like as well that it starts with him picking up the mystery of the 40 slaves, which sort of continues throughout the series. But because that's a longer running thing, um, it manages to find him something else to do in this episode, which is, um, you know, defending Claudius's wife. Um, I like that as well. Um, and it's it's a really interesting story and it, it gives him this idealistic thing to fight for. Um, and and he, he gets totally blindsided by, you know, the methods that Claudius and, and his allies are willing to use. So again, it's a really, really strong one. Um, I don't think there's a bad episode in this series. This one certainly isn't. It's great. Absolutely, yeah. It. Um, I mean, this actually kind of undoes some of the stuff that the pilot does, really, in the sense that you know they do lose. He is fallible because the first episode kind of sets it up as it's going to be a bit of a comfortable series where Cicero's always right and is always able to win the day. So having that rug sort of pulled away pretty early in the second episode, it kind of creates a little bit more suspense for the rest of the series, and I think that works very well. Absolutely, it does. Um, We can move on then to the third episode, which brings us to... um, It it introduces a new character. It brings uh, Cicero's wife, uh, Terentia, into into things and it uh, depicts their meeting it depicts their marriage and then we get a more personal uh, case for Cicero and his family then um, to be thrown into what what do you think of episode three um it's it's an episode of two halves really uh, two very good halves I enjoy them both uh, the first half is quite fun I, I enjoy the the sort of awkward meeting Terentia for the first time and the actual stuff about the wedding, sort of the the jokes about Cicero meaning chickpea and all that kind of thing. Um, you've got Quintus sort of getting slightly more drunk as it all goes on. It kind of you kind of start to think, "Oh, this is going to go wrong," uh, and then it does. So the next morning, um, it, it, it suddenly the episode takes a very serious turn, and it is near enough the halfway point of the episode uh, when all of a sudden obviously Cicero has to prove Quintus's innocence um, as he's accused of messing about with a Vestal Virgin um, it, it gets really good and the fact that it all gets a little bit more personal and the fact that we know uh, the villain from the previous episode is behind it, it kind of just... Um, I think this is the first time where you realise that you're you're listening to what is essentially a six-parter as opposed to just a, a series of sort of isolated incidents that cut in and out of each episode. I know that a lot of stuff's carried over from episode two, but we're well into the storyline here and it's really uh, moving at quite a pace. Um, and honestly, the stuff about you know, is Quintus guilty and proven him innocent? It's so intense. I kind of wish it had taken up more than half an episode. It's really good. It's really well done. And it adds our first real bit of jeopardy of the series that sort of directly affects Cicero and Quintus. So, yeah, um, in some ways, I think this episode might actually be a little bit too short. I think there's a lot more drama that could have been sort of dragged out of it. I, I, I do always misremember it. It is, as you say, it's a story of two halves. And I, I whenever I was listening back to it this time, I was actually surprised because I thought um, the stuff about Quintus being accused of of, of, of messing around with uh, Terentia's sister, I actually thought that came slightly later in the series. I forgot that that was the same episode as this um, because it does feel like two very different halves. Um, I like a lot... Um, with what it does with Terentia, um, because she and Cicero actually divorced later later on in their lives, um, with with Cicero accusing, uh, Terentia of betraying him in some way, um, and I I had a quick look through Wikipedia in in the run run up to this, let it never be said I don't do my research, um, but, um, I don't think it was ever specified in what way. Um, he betrayed her. Um, it was maybe possibly that that she had an affair 
um, during the marriage, but it ended with him having to repay the diary um, to her. Um, and what ha- what this does is, this is set up that the two of them are very, very much. Or at, at first, at their first meeting, they're very much they seem they seem very matched, um, and they seem to be a very natural fit. And there's there's talk about how much their parents, uh, about how much work their parents have put into into making that the case, um, or about Cicero's parents have 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 put into making this happen because they would be such a natural fit for each other. But on the first day of of their married life, then the first day after their wedding, Tarentia gets her eyes opened a little bit in a way that she didn't before the wedding, um, into what it's going to be like to be married to Cicero as he as he wages this um campaign against the corruption of Rome, um of of or in the corruption in Rome at that time. Um and and she she ends maybe just with slightly more knowledge than she had before her marriage, um, which is then continued as a theme throughout this, the rest of the series and then into the crossroads as well. So I really, really like that. Um, I also like there's a, there's a bit at the end where Marcus is making his speech, um, to the mob gathered outside, um, uh, the flats that uh, Quintus is hiding out in, um, and the earlier episodes have had Quintus. Uh, give Marcus notes on his speeches as he's writing them, and he's sort of there coaching him on 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 what to say, how to say it, and how to say it better than he has written. Um, and and this does it then in real time in his own defense. So it picks up the same sort of thing where he's whispering this to 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 Marcus about about what he should say to the crowd. He's saying, "Oh, that's not so good," or "Oh, that that bit was quite good." Um, I, I like that because it's picked up that thing from the earlier earlier episodes. He's now doing it live to save his own skin, um. So that's that's quite cool, um. But yes, again, very very strong, um. Continuing to uphold the quality of this series, um. Is there anything else you'd like to say, or shall we move on? Um, I I think we're good to move on. Um, just really to point out that obviously this episode kind of late in the day does a very good job of obviously introducing the character of Iris who is more significant in the next episode um, but I, I, I do like that sort of we're well into serial territory now it's not definitely not case of the week we are moving into one big story in fact we're well into one big story at this stage yeah absolutely it, it it's it it was it was it was strange on first listening because I was expecting, you know, a little bit more self contained. Even the second episode's quite self contained, but this one, as you say, is building up the serialized element, and that becomes very prevalent moving forward. Um, but we'll move on then into episode four, um, which uh again I really like, and it 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 does tie into, or it sort of sets up something else that happens in Cicero's uh later life. Um, but what do you think of this one? Um, this one is, I think the most notable thing about it is that Terentia is kind of part of the team in this one. Um, she's not just the wife character that kind of hovers around in the background, which she sort of is for what goes on in the second half of the third episode. Uh, this brings her to the forefront. She's part of sort of the main bulk of action of the story. Um, it kind of it tells us a little bit more about Claudius. This one, um, like we know he's the bad guy, we know he's a nasty piece of work, but he, you know, he is very, very, very unlikable in this. He's a very horrible character, um, and we kind of learn more and more about that as the episode goes on, which peaks in uh, at the end of the episode with him sort of threatening his wife and saying they will never find you. Um, it's it's pretty chilling stuff. It is a hell of a performance as well. Um, yes, he's 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 it's it's it. He becomes more and more uh, cruel and unlikable as the series goes on. Um, I I I I I like this episode an awful lot. Um, 
because it sort of it. Cicero thinks, or Marcus thinks that he can again win this through words with you know use of rhetoric and and by making making a compelling argument to Claudius Decimus, who he forgets is above such things or is or is is below such things rather, um and and he's willing to play, he's willing to play dirty, um in in this uh, battle between him and Cicero. Um, and it, it, it picks up Iris, uh, or it picks up you know the thread from the previous uh, episode with Iris. He has he has bought her. He has he, he's treating her very very badly. Um, but Quintus sort of Quintus whenever Marcus tries and fails to help her, and then uh, gives up on her. Um, Quintus decides that he he's not going to stand for it. And he, he wants to 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 get her out because she stood up for him and she helped him. She literally saved his life. He's not content to to sit back and let her uh, take the fall for uh, what 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 he and his brother effectively did by by outsmarting Claudius um, in the previous episode. So. He persuades with Terentia's help as well, because she's involved in convincing Marcus to get behind the plan. Uh, they they uh, persuade him to take a more direct approach and and you know sink not not that they sink to Claudius's level, but they don't stick to the by the book method. Um. Uh, and they they do manage to save Iris. And get her out of Rome and out of the country, um, and that sort of ties in with something Cicero would do later on in life. There's a lot of talk in the Crossroads and in Tartarus about um, the Catiline conspiracy, which uh, was uh, a conspiracy to overthrow Cicero when he was a consul in Rome, which which happens after this series. It it happens between this series and uh, the Crossroads, um. But what he did in that case was he executed the conspirators and Catline himself escaped out of the city, but he executed them without trial. Um, and I think that's regarded as saving the idea of democracy because Cicero was elected, the Catline conspiracy was to overthrow him and he, 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 he took a more direct, no-nonsense approach. He got approval from the Senate before he did it, um, but he didn't give the men... A trial before he had them executed, and I think I, I like that this ties in, and this is him learning, um, to take a more direct approach when it's needed. And there's a debate to be had over whether what he does, um, in the Catline or in response to the Catline conspiracy, there's a debate to be had there whether that's right, um, whether he was right to do it at the time, whether you know whether we would regard it as right today, um, but this is I think him learning. That sometimes the by the book use of rhetoric approach isn't always going to cut it, and you need to, to um put the you know roll your sleeves up and and take a direct hand in things sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, and it like you say, this does sort of an incredibly good job of sort of foreshadowing the decisions that he would make later in his life. It does show that he's not above sort of resorting to. I don't know, alternative tactics, maybe compromising his principles a little uh, when necessary. And I think that is a very important part of a character. He uh, talks a good talk, but he can fight a, a dirty fight as well if he needs to. Absolutely. Um, let's move on then to the fifth episode, which is... It feels... I, I always say this one feels like the last one. It's not... Um, because episode six sort of changes things up a little bit, we get a different um, setting in episode six. But we can come on to that later on. Um, what do we think of the fifth episode then? So the fifth episode, like you say, it's it's kind of the season finale, really. And you could look at the sixth episode as a bit of an epilogue. Um, it's it's full of big moments. This episode is. It's we we get sort of a clearer view of um, Cicero's sexuality that's been kind of 
discussed and gossiped about in the past, but here, you know, we do see that he he does indeed have a very, very close relationship with the man. He even kisses him at some point. Um but the the sort of the main part of the episode is absolutely Cicero's kind of confrontation with Sulla, who's been this sort of very sinister, powerful, slimy character who's been in the background so far, um, brilliantly played by Paul Clayton, just kind of appears uh, throughout previous episodes. But this one is where Cicero finally comes face to face with him. And there's a real kind of showdown and it's there's loads going on, you know, Sulla trying to push Cicero uh, to kind of drop everything he's done in regards to the case of the 40 missing slaves. And it's, yeah, it, it, it all comes together really nicely and it's a really sort of satisfying finale for not the series, obviously, but the storyline that we've been following since the second episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and um, I like the way it's resolved as well because it ties in to what we're saying about the direct approach and the not-by-the-book approach that Cicero has learned is maybe not always the right way or maybe not always the most effective way. But um, it's it's during that confrontation or... Confrontation, oh, confrontation always feels or uh, also feels like a too strong a word for that conversation because it's quite civil, um, you know, for, for Cicero who has obliquely set himself up against Sulla. I don't think there's any point in the series where Cicero directly calls out Sulla, but it's made clear that he doesn't think very highly of the way he works and the way Sulla has run Rome. Um and that's it's it's that style of government that he has set him up against, if not specifically Sulla himself. Um so confrontation feels like too strong a word, but um, it's during that meeting that he has with Sulla that he just it's his it's his last part it's his sort of like a parting shot he gives where they've had a little bit of debate over what's the right way of doing things and then on his way literally on his way out the door Cicero says oh by the way Claudius Decimus you might want to have a look at his finances and see what sort of life he lives and and whether or not you actually think he's a good match for your niece um and then um, we get that scene of the same assassin who tries to kill Cicero earlier in the same story is then sent by Sulla to kill Claudius Decimus. Um, that That's great. That's all really, really well done. I, I like that an awful lot. Um, Piso is quite an interesting sort of addition. He breaks a little bit of a wall down around Marcus in a way that Terentia didn't, um, where... She he has taken her on as his as his wife, but he sort of treated her as as like as an official sort of thing, like, oh you're my wife, um you behave in this way, you you go to these events, you you support me in my career, that sort of thing. Um Pizzo gets through to Marcus in a way that she doesn't, in that he actually manages to have a little bit of a relationship there with Marcus. Um, that is more personal and more intimate than than Cicero's actual marriage is. So even though Cicero himself is very confused or or finds those feelings unsettling, he does acknowledge that they're there. Um, so yes, I like that. It it does eventually pivot back around to the ongoing story. Um, and I think there's a lot more maybe could have been done with that. Um, but we, we don't particularly because this is coming to the end of the series and then um, the next episode it does does do a little bit with it, but maybe not so much, um, just from memory. Um, but it's, 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 it's very, very good. I like as well that um, it's Quintus that gets Cicero into trouble or gets Marcus into trouble. Um, like the final trouble, the trouble that makes... Marcus say, oh, right, this is it. I have to go to Sulla now um, through his gambling debts. It does feel slightly strange that it's not brought up earlier in the series. It doesn't feel like it's very well set up um, because when Quintus goes into Subura, 
you know, we know he drinks, we know he, you know, um, you know, spends nights in brothels and is a well-known face in that part of the city. Um, but I don't think it ever built up much on his gambling before, except for a bit where he's tailing Claudius and and manages to do very well at gambling. So these debts come out of nowhere um, a little bit, but it's, it's a great way of getting Cicero to go to Sulla. So I think it works quite well, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. It's it it does kind of just appear because Quintus is a bit drunk, and it's it's a series of events that sort of lead to the end that actually Cicero doesn't have all that much control over. Um, but I I still like how it plays out, and I like that you do have some great scenes like the you know you've killed me, you've actually killed me scene uh, when. Marcus is talking to Quintus. Um, but yeah, it, it's an episode full of just sort of great little moments, really well written and played moments. Yes, and something you said earlier as well, Paul Clayton is absolutely brilliant as Sulla. He's not in it very much. I think he only has a handful of scenes across the whole series, but he's very, very memorable. Sulla's voice is terrifying, um, but he absolutely puts over the power that he holds and the sort of calculating mind I think that he has as well so excellent performance really really well done and there's something sort of delightfully slimy about it as well like he's he's powerful but it's sleazy power it's sleazy corruption and it's just so well played yeah absolutely you can get it just sort of under the surface there it's sort of like a like you can see him sort of sitting there lackadaisically letting you know not taking much of a direct interest but setting things up to be done, expecting them to be done and, and you know, letting his his uh, lackeys like Claudius sort of run around and do his dirty work for him. Um, yeah, really well written, really well done. Um, but we'll move on then to episode six, which is the last in the main series. But as we've said, it feels a bit more like a coda, um, you know, to episode five's finale. So um, what what do you think of this one? You see, in some ways, this kind of reminds me of like a British sitcom where you have the main series and then the Christmas special, they all clear off to Spain. Um, and it, it's sort of like that. It, this is kind of the Cicero's done being Cicero for this series now. So he's going to go off to Athens and hang out with philosophers for a bit and that kind of thing. It's a great character piece, don't get me wrong. It's not just like, you know, all the usual hijinks that usually happen in a flat in Peckham and are now happening in Spain. It's not that at all. It's it, it's a very sort of deep and thought-provoking character piece, which just kind of lets us see Cicero become a bit wiser, a bit more thoughtful, a bit more like the the Cicero that is famous, the, you know, the historical figure Cicero, this is kind of his, I guess, the moment that defines him. Um, it's really, really well done. It's a shame that Terentia gets a bit sidelined in this one. Um, she gets left behind in Rome and kind of abandoned. Uh, but I guess that, again, is an important part of the historical Cicero's relationship with his wife. So yeah, it's 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 an odd episode to end on, but at the same time, I'm really glad they did it. I'm really glad that we kind of got the dramatic finale in episode five, and then we got this really kind of character-driven finale in episode six. Yeah, um, it's 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 great. It's I've always thought it's a slightly odd one to end on because there's not a great sense of closure, um, even carrying on from episode five, um, you you don't entirely feel. That, that Cicero has achieved what he sets out to do at the beginning of the series because, of course, he hasn't. It's, it's, this is only one chapter of his life. Um, as I said at the beginning, there's an awful lot more um, that this series could cover um, and that I would love them to do in future. Um, so um, I really, really enjoy the change of location, which, you know, you've said they move somewhere completely different. We get a different style, a different atmosphere from that of Rome it's it's a lot more relaxed um it's a lot more um introspective and I I like the themes of um 
it's 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 there's an awful lot of stuff about self-discovery and sort of finding peace and contentment um um and there's that bit um when they go to the mysteries and cicero meets uh, a sort of oracle character who who tells him that he's at a crossroads he can you know pick one of two paths here he can return to rome and become great and be known for the rest of history um or he can stay here in athens and be happy in himself that he he you know this is a place where he can find contentment and live virtuously um it's something that gets touched on an awful lot you know living virtuously and living happily uh living well i think is the way they describe it um and it's written with a wee bit of hindsight looking back because Cicero's a major historical figure um in ancient Rome. Um, you know, we looking back and this, you know, when this was being written, um, David Llewellyn obviously knows um he knew what path Cicero is going to take that he is going to become this great figure but uh, because uh, it's worth mentioning because it's something that happens as well in the crossroads is we get this little glimpse of Cicero's future um, as it happened and we get this little bit of foreshadowing towards the rest of the life and how his career is going to go um, so that's a really really nice moment as well um, I like that there's a twist at the very end uh, with Atticus who um uh he he's presented to this businessman with many different interests um but marcus finds out near the end that he he is involved in uh maybe a bit more of a racket as well where his, his interests aren't entirely above board um or not all of them at least um so that's really well done on it it sort of hammers home as well that Yes, Cicero might be able to leave Rome and the corruption there behind, but there's no such thing as perfection, and no matter where he's going to go, he's not going to find an ideal um, society or an ideal group of people, and that even his best friend isn't, you know, you know, entirely what black or white. There's shades of grey there as well, so that's really, really well done. That makes him realise that he has to return to to Rome um and and continue with his campaign um to to create a better a better world or a better a better Rome. So that's that's really, really well done as well. Yeah, definitely. And it it is a great way to close the series. It's also kind of a great way to set up another one. And when we finally got another series and there was a good was it a four year gap between Series one and Crossroads, I think. Um, when we finally did get Crossroads, the second series, a few years later, it definitely wasn't the series that this finale was setting up. Um, and I find that quite interesting, but obviously we'll come back to that when we discuss Crossroads in a moment. Yeah, well, well let, let's let's absolutely move on to it then. So the Crossroads came out um, in, I was going to say mid-pandemic, it was... Uh, July 2021, I think. Um, I very specifically remember listening to it uh, while walking to a friend's house to watch the uh, European Cup final, which obviously England were in. Um, so, yeah, I remember listening to this really well, like I can tell you the exact day when I first heard it. Oh, brilliant. I remember I, I also suspect that this was maybe Big Finish's first production back in studio. Um, after, um, you know, remote recording during the pandemic, because I remember it being announced and there being this photo of the cla- of the the cast standing out, um, in a big finished car park. Don't think it was the big finished car park, but all of them standing outside the studio, all socially distanced, but it being a sort of triumphant look at us. We're back in studio. We're we're continuing on. So I, I that has always stuck in my head, and I've always thought that was very very heartwarming. There's definitely a Twitter page that could tell you exactly which car park it was. There is somebody on Twitter. <laughs> I swear to God, there will be somebody on Twitter that's an expert at analysing big Finnish car park photos and being able to tell you exactly what it was. Like they'll have diagrams and everything. 
I remember the day um, Christopher Eccleston went on Lorraine to talk about doing Big Finish and working with uh, Big Issue um, because he was sitting in the Big Finish car park and I watched that because it was Christopher Eccleston and Big Finish. Um, I don't watch Lorraine regularly, but I, I tuned in that morning. Um, but I remember thinking, this is a very strange world we're living in. Not only is Christopher Eccleston talking about a return to Doctor Who, the Big Finish car park is on national TV. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that I was going to say there should be. I think there actually was for a while a Pip Medley series about who's in the big finished car park today. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> um, but let's go back then to, to Cicero and the Crossroads. And this is different because it's not a series. It's uh, Cicero the movie. Uh, it's possibly a, a, a better title for it, if you can call an audio drama a movie. Um, because you get this big sort of lush two-hour long production and it's it's i don't know if it's something big finish have done before i don't know if this is unique in their output or or not but it it works well i don't think i'd want it often or i don't think i'd want it every single time but as this one off here's a great big just two hour long thing buckle in sit down enjoy the ride um sort of thing i i, I like it an awful lot for that um Tell us what you think of The Crossroads. Um, when I very first heard it on that disappointing day of football a couple of years ago, um, I I enjoyed it but didn't think it was as good as the first series. I thought that the gap between the two series had been so long and it was so different that it had just kind of completely lost any momentum there was. Uh, it missed out big chunks of Cicero's life. Like, why haven't we... I mean, big finish still. Why haven't you dramatised the the Catiline conspiracy um, while doing Cicero? Um, so it's, you know, it's set over 20 years later. It's a big jump. Cicero and Terentia are very different characters at this point. Um, and a lot, and I mean a lot, happens in this two-hour drama kind of feels like as much happens in these two episodes as happens in the six episodes of the first series and part of me kind of wishes that this was another six episodes however having re-listened to it in the last week um immediately after the first series which i binged and did as one big six hour thing anyway um not quite i did it in two three hour chunks um I really enjoyed it, and actually, it, it it just feels like a really good continuation. It picks up later on in Cicero's life. Yes, it tells a very different story, but we're dealing with historical events, and people's lives don't run in series. They don't have six incidents that get followed up a year later with another six incidents. So actually, focusing on it as a, a piece of historical drama, I guess, it's really effective and it really works. There are a lot of characters. It does move very quickly. It time jumps quite a lot. But it really, really does an excellent job of laying out another, perhaps more significant part of Cicero's life, certainly more significant than the first series did, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's it's big and it, it, it's a glossy production. It really is... It, the equivalent of a BBC series going into co-partnership with Netflix and Netflix throwing loads and loads of money at it. Um, it it's great. It's really enjoyable. And I'm so glad that I went back to it before doing this and I've been able to reassess it a bit. It wasn't what I was expecting or particularly wanting at the time, but it's its its own thing, and it works really well as that. Yeah, I agree. I I I had had something of a similar journey with this one myself, where I I listened to this yeah on the day of release, um and and I I I've always said that one hour is my limit for audio drama. After that, the attention span's going to wander. So whenever I see like an hour and twenty minute Doctor Who, um story, my my heart sinks slightly. But this. I, I did on the day of release all in one go in the two hours. I, I did it again uh, this morning all in one go. And it's a testament to how good it is that it, it I'm, I'm able to get through it in the one go. 
Um, because as we say, it is it's a, it's a film. It's 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 a film put the audio. Um, it has the cinematic sort of scope. It has. Uh, it's a very tight. Um, it deals with this whole affair. It's an open and shut thing. I don't actually think you need to have heard the series to appreciate this. I think it would help. This does pick up some of the threads with regards to um, Torrentia and and um, you know the stuff we mentioned about um, little elements foreshadowing Cicero's later life uh, in the in the main series, and then this comes along and and sort of picks up on some of that. Um, but. I do think you you know if you if you wanted to recommend this to somebody they don't necessarily have to have heard the rest of the series. Um, I did think whenever I was listening to it the very first time around on release that, um, it was I think it felt very clear that it was a another six episode series condensed down into two hours where they're losing, um, you know the equivalent of four episodes worth of time and we're getting a very rapid maybe slightly breathless run of here are all these events here is what we wanted to cover here is all the time we have to cover it and we've just you know condensed and compressed it all into this i think listening to it today it stands up a bit better than that i i i give it a bit more credit for what it is this time um and i maybe maybe uh slightly resented it not being a series you know another full series uh the first time around but um I always find on a second lesson going into something like this that going in with expectations of what it actually is does it a world of good and you can appreciate it on its own merits. That's definitely what has happened this time around. Um, so yes, love it, love it. Uh, probably just as much as I love the main series. I think the main series is still the better um, thing uh, or the better uh, overall but this has a lot going for it as well. Um, as I said, it, it brings things which started to unfold in the main series to a head. Rome has become an outright dangerous place for Cicero to be. And he hangs on for a long time. And again, tries to go about things by the book. He tries to live out his ideal and make his ideal version of Rome happen but, you know, just by him living it, but it's not working. And he, he ends up with enemies here who make it a very, very uncomfortable place for him to live. And he eventually has to flee for his life because he has to flee for his life a couple of times. Um, and again, that would happen later in life. I think he was on the run when he died. Um, an assassin was sent by Mark Antony to behead him. Um, while he was on the run, he was, he was again in exile. Um, and, uh, when, whenever he died, um, but this, you know, um, starts with Julius Caesar seeking power and asking for Cicero's help. Cicero saying no, and Caesar deciding, well, if you're not my friend, you're my enemy, um, and and taking against him. And he, Cicero, has also made a bit of an enemy of uh, Clodius, um, or uh, Claudius, who becomes Clodius. Um, during this, and he he takes it upon he has a he has a vendetta against Marcus, and he takes it upon himself to squeeze Cicero out of Roman life. Um, it does also pick up again with Terentia, and this is where her marriage to Cicero. There's a point in this where it disintegrates, where she decides, or she finally comes to realize that she can't deal with the continued pressure of of his his campaigning and his 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 political career where she says oh i i, I could have put up with this for so long but i hope there'd be a time where we could retire and live happily just just the two of us but she now has realized that that's not going to to happen that cicero is in this uh, this is his uh reason to live um and she breaks down under that pressure and that strain and that i think is probably as far as the series go i think that's the end of their marriage or i think it's the end of them having any future in their marriage um so that's all really really well done um it does leave me very very desperate for more though it, it's i i think it's a better finale to the series as a whole um than episode six i think it takes a little moment at the end where just 
something in the dialogue um says to me that you know this might well be the end and it's not a bad place to leave it it's covered a fairly major event in Cicero's life it's sort of picked up in the wake of the Catline conspiracy um and it's it sort of says it sort of almost says to the listener okay this might be the end but it's not a bad place to leave it and it's not it's not it is it does give me more of a sense of closure um than episode six does but i am still absolutely desperate for more there's so much more to be done with um cicero's life there's a lot more hasn't been covered you could at least get a series out of the catalang conspiracy and you could at least get something out of uh, the end of his life with him being run out of rome um for the last time so if anyone from big finish is listening more please and and it, that is a, a genuine plea this there's a lot more to be done with Cicero. I would love to hear more of this. I have to completely agree with that. It's I n- now that they've done this sort of crossroads, and it feels as though they can dip in and out of Cicero's life at any point. Um, they can go back and they can do things. You know, his time as consul and the conspiracy and all that kind of thing. And uh, I think they should, definitely. And I'd be straight there to pre-order the moment they announced it. Absolutely. I, I, I've I, always thought the originals were in a slightly awkward sort of place because um, they, they, th- there was a lot of, there was a big push on them at the time and then they sort of seemed to almost disappear. Now, I know we've had returns for... Cicero and Atta Girl um in slightly more in a slightly shorter format. Um I know we're at some stage hopefully gonna get another series of the human frontier. And very recently actually as well, there was an, a second series of Shilling and Sixpence. But I've always thought it was very strange that they were on Big Finish and they don't seem to be anywhere else. Like if there was ever gonna be a shoe in for a BBC Radio 4 sort of thing. Like surely it's going to be Cicero or Adagirl or or one of these. Um, it's I I find it very very strange that these of all things haven't ended up there yet. Um, at least going out to a wider audience or or even done as podcasts were you know supported by adverts. It because this is you know this not that's not something they can maybe do with Doctor Who, but these are their completely original productions. I I would love to see them getting a wider audience than they possibly have. Um, because they're all excellent, I haven't heard a bad one. Um, and I would, I would love to hear Big Finish do more like this, not just continuing Cicero and that girl, but you know, other series as well. There's, it doesn't have to be the same as the that that original slate of originals. Um, there's a lot of room for new stuff, um, from Big Finish and and some of the creatives involved. Um, the joy of them has been that it's you know, these people's personal projects. Um, it's something they're passionate about. Um, and you can feel that coming through in them. Um, so again, just as I was saying before, more please. <laughs> I'd say the same for sort of one-off things as well. Not everything does have to be a series that goes on and on. I think Cicero should be. I think we should have at least, and hopefully we'll see at least another two series of Cicero. I think there are, you know, the two other significant parts of his life that we've discussed, which are obviously the the Catalan conspiracy and his eventual death. You can get a series out of each easy, and I do hope Big Finish do those, because we've got such a great cast, a great group of characters. I'm invested. I, I really enjoy listening to them. This is the third time I've listened to the first series now, and every single time I've thoroughly enjoyed it and really felt as though I'm listening to something special. But I'd also like them to do more one-offs, uh, like Transference, for example, which was kind of big finish doing a gritty Sunday night BBC One series, um, sort of in the vein of Line of Duty or you know Happy Valley, which has just finished, that kind of thing. Um, I really think it worked. I really think it was enjoyable. It was a great sort of thriller and I'd love to see more like that and that was a I think it was a collaboration between four writers I assume they wrote two each um yeah it'd be great to get more stuff like that as well I, I totally agree I 
usually save Cicero to do over the summer. Uh, didn't do it last year. Did it the summer before, um, because it has that sort of you know it's it's Rome, it's Italy, it has that sort of you know it, it's it's a good one to listen to during the summer. Um, but um, I because I've done it now at the start of the year, I won't do it this year. I will um a hundred percent do transference in its place. I'm really really looking forward to hear that again. Um really really strong series brilliant to hear alex kingston doing something that's not river song she's phenomenally good she's brilliant in transference and as you said it's a chance for those four writers to 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 do something original and very very brilliant they do it really really well um so the last thing then that was on our list was just to touch on very briefly because it might be something that we do um reasonably soon um in its in its own episode but let's talk a little bit about doctor who tartarus which brings back um some of the cast of cicero and lets them have uh uh, play the same characters in a doctor who story what do you think of tartarus uh it's i really like the idea of it it's not my favorite story ever but i can see exactly why it does what it does and exactly what they set out to do. What they set out to do was basically make a Doctor Who Cicero crossover, uh, and that works really, really well. Um, What it does is kind of suck the Doctor and Cicero up into this sort of re... Oh, it's a simulation of uh, sort of significant mythological events, I guess is the best way of putting it. I enjoy that, but at the same time, I'd kind of liked a historical with the Doctor and Cicero. I'd kind of liked it being the Doctor advising Cicero through some, you know, some kind of event in his life, that kind of thing. Very much the way that a Doctor Who pure historical plays out. Um, But at the same time, we did need to set Mark up as a major character and we did need to do various things. And I guess it was also an opportunity. We've got a lot of pure historical Cicero. We've got two series of it now. Um, Oh, well, a series and an audio movie. Um, So I guess really, as it was mainly a Doctor Who story, whipping Cicero up into this sort of sci-fi setting inspired by things like Jason and the Argonauts, the film, that kind of thing. It was a really good and interesting way of going with it. Um and yeah, it's a it's a really enjoyable story. Yeah, it's it's good. I I, I think I'm in the same boat as you where it, it's not my favourite in the world, but I like it. I like it for what it is. I enjoy what it's doing. Um I know where you're coming from when you say that it would have been it would have been really nice to have a Doctor Who Cicero crossover be more of a historical um, but I think they said from the word go that they were very keen that this not be part of the Cicero series, that this, you know, that, that I can understand them not wanting to even leave room for it to be considered part of the same series, because yes, it's the same um, actors playing the same characters. Um, I can't remember. It's it's just um, Cicero and Terentia. I don't think there's anybody else from the main Cicero series. And Trenti is, I think, basically just a cameo appearance. Um, she doesn't get very much to do at all. But it it picks up again in the very direct wake of the Catiline conspiracy. And it does a little bit around that. It's not the main focus. Um, but it does tie into Cicero and his um, motivations and those fears that sort of get played on a little bit near the end. Um but it's very, very it's 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 very very fun to hear, you know, Doctor Who crossing over with another big finish series. Um, I get a I get a, a big kick out of that. Um, and it's 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 fun to hear the Doctor nerd out over meeting this historical figure who we're already familiar with because we've been listening to his series. Um, so it's it you're you're right. It succeeds in doing that, and I think. I, I think I do fall inside where it, it had to go into the weird and wonderful to to make itself or make itself distinct from Cicero the series and for them to put a um sort of a, a, a clear barrier between 
you know, us Doctor Who fans coming along and saying, oh, this is part of the series, you know, you can't discount this. You can because it's it's very obviously not Cicero, it's it's Doctor Who. So yeah, I I, I enjoy it. It's actually the next thing I have lined up to listen to um uh after this. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting into it again. It feels like it's gonna be the perfect um follow up to Cicero the series. Um and I'm 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 very excited to hear it again. Um well I I am listen well, I have listened to it. Uh, immediately after the Cicero series and uh, have carried on with the Mark arc. It's almost like we've got an episode about that planned, isn't it? Just possibly. Just possibly. Just possibly. But um, we'll leave it there for now then. Thank you very much for doing this. I've I've, I've loved this one. Actually, this has been brilliant to talk about. Uh, thank you very, very much. I've wanted to do Cicero ever since we started. So yeah, I'm really glad we've done this one. And uh, thank you all very, very much for listening. Um, as it's goodbye from me and uh, goodbye from him. <laughs> and we'll be back for more podcasting again next week. So go on then, what's goodbye in Latin? Uh, this is the sound of my brain not working. <laughs> we'll uh, leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the opposite of salve is, salvete. <laughs> Laters. See ya. In a bit. Ta-ra. Okay, just end it. <laughs>